0: Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia, and this is Ask the Experts. And thank you so much for joining me. Today I will be speaking to Eric Paulin. He is the showrunner and senior producer at Five Films. They have, of course, created Fight Camp and Countdown, which air on Fox Sports. Eric just finished working on Fight camp Ruiz versus Areola. It was taking us behind the scenes on the heavyweight matchup of Andy Ruiz and Chris Areola. So we're going to take a peek behind the curtain here. We're going to get into the production, how it came together from the beginning stages of putting together storylines and how it all led up to the fight. We're going to talk about the fight and we're going to talk about recent boxing news. We're going to look at the upcoming schedule for PBC fighters for what fights could be made this year and then you don't want to miss this we know that graduation is upon us Uh, a lot of people graduating and a lot of people are reaching out for advice trying to understand how they can break into the sports media industry well I'm going to talk to Eric about that he's been in this industry for over 30 years we're going to talk about his journey how he got to where he is now some stories along the way and of course his advice on the best way to break into the industry so without further ado here is my conversation with Eric Pollan I am Karan Bhatia, and let's ask the experts. I am Karan Bhatia chatting with Eric Paulin. He is the senior producer, showrunner for five films, and he just finished up Fight Camp, Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola, The Battle of Heavyweights. It was an interesting show, an interesting fight, and we'll talk about that with Eric. Eric, how you doing?
1: Hey, Karen, thanks for having me as always. I love doing these with you.
0: And thanks for coming on. It's great to get your perspective on the behind the scenes of how these shows come together. Um, so one thing we always have is these challenges of the fighters, uh, and sometimes, you know, if you have to do a fighter many times, it can, be beca- it can become difficult. We had some pretty interesting characters here, some fresh faces, heavyweights, um, both good talkers. Uh, so when you first heard, okay, you're doing a show on Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola, what were your thoughts?
1: Well, I was definitely excited that we had two quote-unquote new stories. We had dealt with Chris before uh, in his fight with, with Kaznaki. And um, so we did have some inroads with him and Joe Goose and Lanny Levine, our field producer, had dealt with them before. So that that was good. That was easy. And then Andy Ruiz had such a rich story, you know, coming in uh, on a month's notice and, you know, having maybe one of the two, three greatest upsets in the history of heavyweight boxing. I remember sitting here June 1st. I'm in the same chair that I am right now sitting here watching the fight just because I wanted to see Joshua fight. I had never really seen him fight and sitting here watching and watching this guy who looked out of shape and, you know, was supposed to get knocked down and did get knocked down. And then all of a sudden, 20 seconds later, he knocks Joshua down. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking how riveting that fight was that night and how, you know, okay, there's, uh, uh, he got lucky, he knocked him down, and he knocked him down again, but Joshua will come back, you know, the fourth round, it reminded me so much, so much of sitting, watching Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson, because you kept saying to yourself, all right, Buster has knocked Mike down, and, and, you know, Tyson's going to come back because he's Mike Tyson, you kept thinking Anthony Joshua was going to come back, because he's Anthony Joshua, but he didn't, and Ruiz, the way he threw the punches that night, I mean, every angle and he was fast and he was furious and his punches were hard. And I just remember thinking to myself, wow, he's a PBC guy. We're going to get to work with this guy. I was so excited. And then six months later, he went and, you know, proved the exact opposite and just kind of, showed up and he was overweight and he was very forthright about it. You know, he partied too hard and, um, he, he he just didn't take it very seriously and got caught up with the fame. And I mean, you remember that, that, I mean, this was the most famous guy on the planet for a week in June of, of 2019. He was everywhere and doing everything. And I guess it got to his head and the money got to his head and, um i, I love how he told the story early on uh how you know he needed help and he picked up the phone i think literally the day after the second fight or, or a couple of days after and he called canelo and he said can you help me can you help me and um eddie reynoso and canelo brought them into their gym and you know it's a very small circle and um, I mean, to me, that was the most amazing stuff in the show. I'm probably answering a bunch of your questions, but the most amazing stuff in the show was how Canelo, how involved Canelo was in helping to teach Andy. And when he taught Andy, how much Andy listened to him and how much you saw it in the fight. There were a couple scenes where Canelo would literally say, hit the combination like this and he would show him. And there were a couple moments in the fight where he was throwing those two and three punch combinations that were just landing constantly. Um, it, it to me it was it was a really, really special relationship that the two of them have, how they could talk to each other and how Andy gleaned so much from what Canelo was saying and 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 how he used it uh how you saw it come to fruition on the night of the fight.
0: And yeah, that was a bunch of my questions there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, you know, before we get into kind of your favorite parts of the show, yeah. I'm sure that there were some themes that you were looking at. And one of, we talked about heavyweights. Um, there's also Southern California. There's also the Mexican heritage. Um, both these guys shared that. Um, there's also the whole, Ariola challenged three times for the heavyweight title to become the first Mexican American. Uh, and he came up short. And then of course, Andy Ruiz was able to do that uh, against Anthony Joshua as, as you talked about. So there was those themes. It was an all Mexican pay-per-view card. Um, that was another theme. It was, it was, I mentioned heavyweights, but it's also kind of the non-traditional body type of heavyweights right and and obviously a lot was made of Ruiz's weight and his weight issues and now training with Canelo and getting in shape um but Chris Ariola also I mean he's he's looked like in some of the best shape uh in his life working with Joe Goosen now at, at at 40 years old I mean he looks he looks great too um but again these guys didn't always look great so that was another part of it um and then there was also the fact that these guys sparred when early on right when um, they were both much younger. Um, so you had, you had a bunch of different themes to look at. So when, you, when you're first kind of putting together your show, um, how are you categorizing these themes and how are you kind of building that into the segments that you're working on?
1: Yeah, I mean, this was a rich one. So it wasn't, you know, when I first start taking notes and going back and watching fights and thinking of themes, you know, there, first and foremost to me was Andy's redemption. And he had already been in camp and he had already started posting his weight loss stuff. So his weight loss was just mind boggling. As a matter of fact, uh, Jeff, Jeff Newton and and Andy FaceTimed me one day to ask me a question. And I literally took a picture of Andy because he's, he looked so good. His face was so good. And um, I was just, I was flabbergasted, you know, to actually, to see him in front of me. I mean, we'd been looking at the footage, but to see his face close up, he looked, he looked incredible. And then you you start thinking about Chris and his chances and Chris, you know, was very open about saying that he was, he felt that he should have been the first Mexican American heavyweight champion. And he was groomed for that. And, you know, he was the guy who, who he felt should have been. And then Andy did it like right under his, under his nose. And um, it it, it was frustrating to him. It was really frustrating to him. And Chris is always a game, you know, a guy who, who, who goes in and, and, and gives it his all and, and pushes and he's very exciting and very interesting. And um, you knew that you were going to get what we wound up getting on May 1st. You knew that the fight was going to be exciting. You knew that both neither guy would ask any quarter nor give any quarter. And that's what we saw. And I mean, and, and again, like you said, there were so many themes you talked about um, getting in shape. Uh, Chris lives in a condo. We did a scene at, at, at the condo that he lives in, in LA when he's training with Joe and he runs the stairs, I think three, four times a week. And, um, we had a short little scene where he ran these stairs, but to see him going up and down these stairs and I'm thinking, I think it was 31 flights, 29 flights, whatever it was, but he was like up and down, up and down, up and down. He does it like 40 minutes, you know, every other day. And it was like, it was incredible. And he's got a whole workout thing in his, um, in his house and he's so motivated. And he, he said in the show, um, how old school he was. He's like, I don't need a, I don't need a a strength and conditioning coach. I do it all myself. And Joe, Joe Goosen, when we first spoke to him on the phone, Lanny and I spoke to him on the phone and we said, you know, does he do strength and conditioning? He's like, Chris is 40 years old. He's as disciplined as anybody that you've ever seen. And, um, and it's true. I mean, he really is. And he's running the stairs. He's got a bag on the deck and we got those magnificent shots uh that Rob Riley got on on the deck at, at, at you know at the golden hour and you know I was really just impressed with both of their their fitness um the mexican heritage both of them both of them were so proud of their mexican american heritage um uh chris took us back to his old neighborhood and um knocked on the door <laughs> of uh of the gym and someone let him in and he was in the gym and it was such a I remember our editor, Chris Guidi, coming to me when he saw the raw stuff. He goes, this is the best stuff we've shot. He's like, it's so intimate. He's like, this scene's going to cut itself. And it was just so intimate and so revealing and so, you know, beautiful. It was really beautiful. And him reminiscing about, you know, he literally said, I got my first bloody nose here. I got, you know, this is where the heavy bag was. There was a mirror right here. There was a picture of... uh, Julio Cesar Chavez right here. And I always aspired to be like him. And it was such a beautiful, you know, really telling, revealing moment. Like the stuff that um, sometimes when you're producing, you have to push these guys. You didn't have to push either of these guys when it came to, you know, opening up and giving. Um, they really both were, were so... They gave so much of their time, so much of themselves, which isn't always easy when the camera's around you. In this case, it was two weeks. Um, we only did two shows. But, um, and, and Andy took us to, to Chicano Park in, in San Diego, and there's... Um, beautiful murals and Nick got some Nick Rourke, Our, our, our cameraman got some magnificent shots there. And then people just came up to Andy, you know, looking for selfies and somebody had painted a picture of him beating Anthony Joshua and Andy drove up there and he started looking at it and it just meant so much. And there was just, there was so much visual and so much storytelling I thought in these shows. I mean, I, you know, I, I wish we had our normal four shows to do this. It was, it was just, there was a lot to cram into these two episodes because of the characters, because of who these guys were and because they really let us, um, they really, they really let us behind their curtains. It was really special. I thought these two shows.
0: Absolutely. And definitely some talented people you mentioned there, Chris, Chris uh, Nick Rourke, many others. And I know that it takes a whole team uh, to put on these shows and, and, obviously Uh, five films and and fight camp working with a really great team top to bottom. So in terms of this fight and, and what we expected, um, it wasn't the, it wasn't a championship, a heavyweight championship fight. It wasn't necessarily the best fighting the best, Um, but it was a fun fight, a good fight, a really good measuring stick for Andy Ruiz, right? Andy Ruiz loses uh, to Anthony Joshua in the rematch. He, then COVID happens. He's training to come back. We want to see him versus some kind of test. We get that in Chris Areola. And whatever people want to say about Chris Ariola, I mean, he fought some of the best people in the era. Now, that he didn't necessarily win. He fought Vitali Klitschko, fought Adamak, fought Wilder. Didn't win those fights, but he was in those fights, and he's someone who never quits. And then he also brings in the wildcard factor of being able to maybe pull off an upset against younger opponents and he did that against Seth Mitchell who at one time was a was a pretty uh, well-known prospect in the heavyweight division um Chris Ariola sent him into retirement John Pierre Augustine was undefeated when he matched up with Chris Ariola and he was a lot younger than Chris Ariola. Chris Areola knocked him out in the third round and, and changed the trajectory of his career. Uh, we saw Ariola versus Kovnowski. And yes, Ariola didn't win that fight, but it was a competitive fight, and they set records in terms of punches thrown and landed uh, for the heavyweight division for all time. So you knew that this was going to be a fun, interesting fight. Um, what did you think was going to happen uh, when they met up in the ring and and also your thoughts on on that overall that this isn't the best fighting the best but it's still a good fight for boxing
1: yeah that's what i was excited about i mean you knew that these guys were going to stand and throw and you saw it i mean you know chris tagged um andy in the second round and and andy went down on his knee i mean you're like oh wow here we go you know and then in the third round he tagged him again and really staggered him. And um, again, Andy seems to be the type of guy when he is knocked down, when he is, you know, uh, backed into a corner, seems to come out fighting. And for the rest of the fight, it, I mean, Andy threw and he hit and he didn't get hit as much. He got hit a couple times, but he didn't get hit as much. And it was pretty clear that, that he had won that fight pretty in a pretty dominating fashion, you know, short of probably losing... Rounds two, and although most people gave him round three, um, you know, throughout the 12 rounds, Andy kind of, you know, picked in shows and threw his combinations and did, did most of the hitting. And I think you got exactly what you th- thought you were going to get, at least what I thought you were going to get. Um, an exciting fight. Uh, you know, Chris is always entertaining. Andy is always entertaining and can throw from anywhere and he can hurt you from anywhere. And, you know, you would have liked to have seen a knockout and I thought maybe you'd get one in round seven or eight. But Chris is tough. He's really tough. I mean, he takes his punches as well as he gives it. So I, I really think we got exactly what we expected. Definitely interesting, definitely entertaining and exciting. And I, you know, I hope Chris fights again because he's he's... He's uh, good for boxing and didn't seem to, you know, at at the end of the fight, he looked like he could have got a couple more rounds. And Andy, you know, is going to start climbing his way back up the ladder. This was the first step. And um, we'll see what happens next for him.
0: And that is the question here. I mean, the heavyweight division is obviously red hot. It's very interesting. Um, We have Deontay Wilder, who we haven't seen back in the ring Uh, Since he lost to Tyson Fury, he's obviously itching for a comeback. I think that would be a great fight for him uh, versus Andy Ruiz if it happens. Uh, Luis Ortiz's name has been mentioned. Um, That would be another very interesting fight. It seems like Joshua and Fury are linked up. And it looks like the latest reports say August 14th in Saudi Arabia. Um, But I guess you never know until it actually (laughs) happens. So where do you think each man goes from here after this fight?
1: Yeah, I had heard the Ortiz rumors as well that, that Ortiz is next. And man, that'll that that'd be a Andy, Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz would be a really, really great fight. Um, you know, again, two guys who are entertaining and are gonna throw and you know, Ortiz fought uh Ortiz fought Wilder and for the better part of seven rounds looked pretty pretty good doing it. Um you know, staggered Wilder a couple of times, and then just you know, like many of of Deontay's opponents, you know, just got <laughs> one punch at the wrong time, and it was just too much, and uh, you know, it knocked him out. But that would be that would be great for boxing. I mean, I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see Chris fight Adam Koznaki again. You know, I'd love to see where where that would go because Koznaki, you know, got surprised by by. Robert Hellenius and um there's so many ways you can go there's just so many ways you can go and kind of Deontay Wilder's still out there waiting uh Tyson Fury's now training in Las Vegas I guess getting ready for Anthony Joshua uh in Saudi Arabia in August which is going to be a super fight um who knows what's going to happen in that one. That's going to be exciting, but you know, with the heavyweights, you know, you're always going to get these guys that are not going to dance around. They're not going to mess around. They're going to go in there and they're going to hit. And um, you know, you saw it with Tyson and Deontay and um, you saw it with Andy and, and Chris and Adam and Chris. And so, and Andy and, and Joshua the first time. And, and you just hope that, you just hope that they all kind of, you know, keep circling this round robin. And by the time, you know, we're all done, one of them's left standing and then we can start the round robin once again. I mean, you know, they're all kind of in their primes and um, you, ju- you just hope that you get to see as many of these great fights as, as, as we possibly can.
0: And for you, just looking ahead uh, for the rest of the year, I mean, there's, there's a lot of fighters on the PBC roster that, that we hope to have back, and I'm sure that you're looking forward to uh, creating programming around a lot of these fighters. Um, there's still matchups left to be uh, made and things to be officially announced. Um, we know that maybe Caleb Plant could be in the mix here against Canelo. Canelo just won and then called out Caleb Plant because he has the remaining belt. Um, who knows what, where that will be in terms of a uh, promotional standpoint, a network standpoint. They're obviously going to have to figure that out. I believe Canelo's a free agent right now, but he has said he wants to continue to work with Eddie Hearn, uh, who's, of course, aligned with Matchroom and in America with The Zone. Uh, we mentioned Deontay Wilder. Uh, there's other fighters out there like Errol Spence, um, Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, uh, and, and many others. Uh, Manny Pacquiao is another one. Um, who's also worked with PBC in the past. Um, Any fighters that you are looking forward to working with the rest of the year? Anything that's on your mind in terms of uh, the boxing landscape for the rest of 2021?
1: Well, this is all speculation, which, um, you know, it's just like opinions. Everybody has them. And, you know, I want to see Errol Spence fight your Dennis Ugas. I mean, we have worked with both of those guys. Um, you know, Errol had said after his December 5th fight with Danny Garcia that, you know, you'd see him in in junior July and all of a sudden it's, it's May and, you know, I'm sure he's getting ready to, 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 to get going for a summer fight. And the rumors are that it's going to be Ugas and Ugas is just a guy who is going to come at you and can, you know, he's he's got kind of that heavyweight mentality because the guy can take a punch. And the guy can give a punch, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, if, if those two get together and, and unify the titles, that 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 would be, you know, the only one that I'd I'd really speculate on. I'm I'm excited to get back into the gym with Deontay, whenever that is, whoever that is. Um, you know, Sean and and Kenny Porter are always interesting TV. I can't wait to see them anytime that you can work with Manny. He's like. I remember watching the footage the last time that <clears throat> the the first round of footage just Manny's footage came in and I remember thinking to myself and Scott Boggins our boss kept saying it how fast he was how unbelievably fast he was at 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 41 years old and you know I know he's training for something I don't know who I don't know when <laughs> I'd love to get him in with Floyd one more time that would be great even if they you know, even in their 40s, I think they'd give us an entertaining show. Um, I know the Charlos are going back in. Uh, we, we love working with them. And, you know, PBC's got a lot of up-and-coming guys. And you mentioned Caleb and, um, and, and Canelo. And Caleb, we've done four shows with. He hasn't done a pay-per-view yet. It's time for him to get to that level. And, you know, if he gets to, if he gets to fight Canelo at this point that's as good a fight as you can you can put on the docket i mean there aren't many bigger fights in that that you could make right now short of you know tyson fury and anthony joshua or anthony joshua and deontay wilder or tyson fury and deontay wilder one more time but you know canelo canelo and caleb plant that that that's a super fight i mean that's really a super fight and hope that that gets done and hope that we we're able to work on it
0: Many good fights, many good fighters. Uh, we should, of course, include the Charlo twins in this discussion as well, not to leave them out. Um, it'd be interesting to see if there's a way to make Jermall versus Canelo. I think that would be uh, another great fight. Um, we should mention David Benavidez as well. Um, and interesting that you say uh, Pacquiao versus Mayweather rematch. Seems like Mayweather is a little <laughs> tied up in a different uh, type of competition, uh, obviously preparing for the exhibition match against uh, Logan Paul on June 6th. So let me ask you this to, to close it out because it's, it's May. It's uh, a lot of uh, people are graduating soon. Um, and I get a lot of comments, you know, people looking for advice, people on LinkedIn, things like that um, you know, people who are interested in sports and TV, um, you know, looking to, to get into the industry. So I'll ask you a two-part question. Uh, part A would be if you were to give advice, uh, to someone who's maybe graduating soon, um, on the best way for them to get started in this industry and do the, you know, try to work up to doing the type of work that you do, uh, producing and, and directing and writing for, uh, sports television, um, what would be your advice? And then also you've worked at, at many different outlets. Um, obviously now, you know, you're doing great work here at, uh, at Five Films and, and working on these PBC, uh, these programming shows, um, these documentaries, um, what would be, what do you think has been kind of the key for you uh, in this industry? What, what's kind of kept you going? What's helped you be successful uh, as a storyteller in sports?
1: uh i'll take that one first because um to me it's about to me it's about having this empty space you know it's like you turn your computer on and you you open up your microsoft word document and this happens every show that i do every single one and there's nothing on the page and i've been lucky enough to be with people like Scott Boggins and Craig Janest and early on in my career with George Roy and Steve Stern, who I, I can't say enough about, and Ross Greenberg at HBO who let me, you know, be a part of things. I remember them just letting me sit in on meetings when I was a kid. I mean, I was a kid. I was 24. I was 25 years old. And, um, we did, we did this all access, like a seven minute piece, um, you know, before all these 24 seven shows came about 1992 before the, for the Larry Holmes and Evander Holyfield fight. And we were sitting with Larry in his, in his suite. And we were sitting with Evander in his suite. Larry played the piano for us. This is a, you know, in the, in the middle of 1992. And I remember being out there. It was the first time I was ever in Las Vegas and, um, you know, running around with John Slagle all week, you know, doing pieces on, you know, on Mark Ratner and the two guys in the fight, and I just remember like the whole scene. And I remember we met at the at the pre-fight party. We were finishing up the piece in the truck. George Roy was editing in the truck, and we finished up the piece. We were at the. Pre-fight party and Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman walked in and we literally had a 40 minute conversation with Patrick Swayze because he knew somebody that Steve Stern knew. And, you know, I think back to all these these little moments in my life that add up to these big moments. And what I'm what I'm trying to say is that people gave me a chance. People gave me a chance to say, you, you go and you go and create that Microsoft Word document, you go and create that you go and create the stories. And then, you know, when you get the stories, let's talk about them. And, um, I have been giving, I was given a tremendous opportunity at this young age to tell stories and each one is unique and each one is different. And yeah, it's boxing. And yeah, there's a lot of themes like you, you and I talked about earlier, but the opportunity to tell them with new people and new faces and, And even when we've done something, you know, with Caleb Plant for four times or Al Spence for three times and we're going to get back to do it again, there's always a new wrinkle. There's always a new, there's always something new in their lives. There's always, (coughs) excuse me, something different, something that we can add on to, something that we can, you know, make that first document a little more special. I guess it's like, you know, it's like a book. It's like uh, an author writing about the same character over and over again. There's always a different theme. There's always a different storyline. And I was afforded the opportunity to, to, to do all of this with very little restriction, um, with very little, um, you know, here's, here's, here's the ball, Eric. Go take it and run and get yourself to the end zone. The show's due on, you know, September 14th. You know, you'll give me a rough cut on September 1st. And, that, and that's the way my career has worked. I mean, George Roy and Steve Stern gave me a Roberto Clemente documentary. And um, they said, let's just, you know, write out a, write out a plot and, and let's go start doing interviews. And I did. You know, I sat down and I wrote a plot and six acts. And it was Fox Sportsnet's first documentary. I was, you know, in my mid-20s. And I got to go to Puerto Rico, and I got to interview Willie Stargell. And, um, we had Jimmy Smiths narrate it, and you know these were all things that, you know, who who do you want to narrate it? First thing, Jimmy Smiths. I want Jimmy Smiths. He grew up in Puerto Rico. He's a big Clemente fan. Bang, we got it. Went out and got Jimmy Smiths. I mean, things like that, you know, just happened. They they happened, and it was magical, and it's still magical. And it's like every once in a while, I I I pop that, I pop in. I don't have a VHS. I somewhere I have a DVD of it, and um, and I know I have the master somewhere in this house too. But um, so I had the, these opportunities to to work with these great people who 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 didn't put a leash on me, who didn't put a governor on me, who let me kind of go and let me make my own mistakes. And I did. I made mistakes. I remember at one point with Steve Stern um, during Clemente, he's like you cannot do this show without a narrator. Like I wanted to do the show without a narrator. This is a long time ago, Karen. This is, this is 20, 25 years ago at this point. And, um, you know, we talked about it, we changed and he's like, okay, let's, you know, let's take this scene and, you know, open it up here and open it up there. I think it was the first show I ever edited on an Avid. Um, you know, I'm, I'm old school. We, we did beta, beta cut to cut, even three quarter cut to cut, you know, um, you were probably in the womb at that point, but, <laughs> um, so I, again, I, I'm being long winded, but I'm, I'm very passionate about this. And when you tell me I'm getting to do Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola, I look at it as like just this blank slate and I get to do, you know, whatever I want within reason. And I get to tell these guys stories and, um, and it kind of starts there and, um, And it's like the greatest feeling in the world to go from that to a finished show at the end, you know, when, when that show's all edited and mixed and you know, when, when you get to work with guys like Eric Barchi, who just is a magician in the editing room, like no matter what you ask him to do, no matter what it is, he'll give you a different spin and no two of his pieces look alike. And Christian Winters who gives such a beautiful perspective of 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 what of what he sees when the footage comes in and you know can tie it into where we are and what we're doing and the two of them working so well together and and you know and again Scott Boggins and Craig Jeunesse giving us the reign to kind of do as we see fit you know to kind of create this story and keep it as entertaining as possible and you know and guys like you who go out and, you know, start with these these long form interviews that we do for the countdown shows that we're able to glean and pick out the parts that fit so well into Fight Camp and, you know, all the work that goes into it. And I say this at the end of every show, and I, I always send an email out to everybody to thank them that, you know, everybody has a part and we let everyone play their parts. So, again, you know, I'm rambling here, but... Um, <clears throat> It's important, you know, it's important that that we've gotten to, we've put together this great team, and we have confidence in each part of the team, and we know that everyone's going to do their job, and we've done enough of these shows to say, here's what needs to be done by Thursday, you know, you got to do this, 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 and when you can put it all together, and at this point, you know, I'm just a guy keeping it kind of all together, you know, it starts, you know, with me writing up some ideas, and then It kind of goes off into everybody's worlds, the Jeff Newtons and the Lanny Levines and the U's and the, you know, the camera guys and the editors. And it just, it all comes together kind of in a magical way. There's no real other way to describe it. Um, In terms of a a kid who's coming out of college, you know, uh, who wants to get into this business, I think first you got to figure out what part of the business you want to be in. Do you want to be in live sports? Like you, like you guys at HBO, when you were at HBO, you guys kind of did everything, which was always incredible to me because you did the post-produced shows like we do, but you guys could all sit in the truck and do the live event, <coughs> which was amazing. And I was always intimidated by the trucks when I, when I went in there um, Quick story. I, I remember going in during that 1992 time, and Mark Payton was directing, um, and it was just like incredible how he could keep so calm with all those cameras and all those angles, and just keep the show moving along. And and uh, Rick Bernstein and Dave Harmon and Ross producing these shows, and just you know keeping them. I I, I never could fathom <clears throat> how you guys were so adept at, at doing all that, but. Um, I think the most important thing is like, you have to be aggressive as a kid coming out of college and you have to make your own opportunities. I mean, I met George Roy and Steve Stern. I was 22 years old and they were a small company with a lot going on and I was very lucky and they literally sent me out into the field the first week I was there. And I went and did a, where are they now with Ray Scott, the old green Bay announcer. And I got to shoot with him for two days. I got to film with him for two days. And, um, you know, it's a little bit of a different world. I think you just got to put yourself out there and say, Hey, can I come in? Can I intern? Can I help? Can I, what can I do? And then when you're there to be aggressive and always just ask a lot of questions, like you can never ask enough questions. Um, and I think it's harder. I think it's harder now than it was then. I think it's a much more structured business than it was. You know, when I started in 1989, my God, I can't believe I'm saying that um, because I still feel like I'm 21 years old, except I'm not. Um, So I I think you just have to be aggressive, you know, keep pushing. Like if somebody says no, you know, go to another place and, you know, then come back to the guy who said no a month later and see if there's a yes. And I think you just got to kind of open up the door. Uh, sometimes maybe you have to stick your foot in the door and sometimes you have to say, give me a chance. And, um, you know, somebody gave me a chance a very long time ago, uh, you know, to meet George Roy and Steve Stern. And, you know, I guess I kind of took it from there. There was opportunity, but I guess I kind of took it from there. You know, there's a little bit of luck involved, of course, you know. A little bit of uh, serendipity, you know, to get somewhere on a Saturday morning many years ago to somebody who knew George and Steve and said, call them up. They're my friends. Tell them I sent you. And, uh, you know, you had a meeting and I came in. I remember dressed in my brand new suit uh, with the tag still on it, which I never took off, which is a whole nother story. And George coming in from painting that morning with paint all over him and Steve stern telling me to lose the tie it was the first thing he ever said to me <clears throat> and uh you know 30 something years later here i am you know producing fight camp and <clears throat> kind of goes fast but i said to somebody yesterday you know we 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 you, you look at your i looked at a resume yesterday of somebody who's been around a long time and i said to her i said yeah i look at my stuff and i say Yeah, I did a lot of stuff. I kind of did a lot of stuff. So did you. You know, you did a lot of stuff. You know, you look at it and over 30 years, you get to do a lot of cool things. But a lot was given to me. A lot was created by pushing and opening my mouth. And sometimes when it was uncomfortable. And I think you really, especially in today's world, you have to advocate for yourself. You have to push. And, you know, hopefully you have somebody in college uh, at Rutgers We had an internship program and I was lucky enough to, through a friend, get an internship at CNN Sports and, you know, Dan Patrick, you know, my first weekend there in the bathroom, he was putting on his makeup, telling me these kind of things, be aggressive, advocate for yourself, you know, learn what your strengths are, learn, you know, not to, not to, you know, overstep your bounds, but, you know, take this opportunity and learn from it. He literally was putting his makeup on telling me this, you know, the great Dan Patrick, um, you know, who was 30 years old, all of 30 years old at the time on CNN sports, doing the weekend shows with Gary Miller and Terry chick and uh, Nick Charles, who was one of the, the great human beings, you know, he wasn't the most outgoing guy, but just, you know, always answering questions and always telling me, what I could do to help. And, and Terry Chick late at night, I'd stay. I'd literally stay the CNN Sports, which was as good as ESPN Sports Center at that point. Um, <clears throat> Terry Chick said, stick around, work with me for the 2.30 show. And you, you, I'd be the only intern there. And I'd work with him and he'd let me do things. And, you know, producers there, like Howard Sappington and Mike Iacchino, uh, just Tony Cordero giving me opportunities, Jamie Morrison, who inter- interviewed me who's still around working for the weather channel. He's these guys just gave me chances. You know, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? And, um, and, 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 you know, New Yorker went down to Atlanta, had a big mouth and said, I'll do this. I'll do this. Can we do this? Can we do this? And sometimes they'd laugh at you. I'm not laugh at you. They say uh, that's not a bad idea, but we can't do it because um, and then some of the ideas flew and, you know, by the end of the summer, I'd learned so much. And the best moment of that summer was uh, Nick Charles telling my father what a great kid I was and how, how I had a great future. And it really meant a lot to my dad. He told that story to me as we were driving back from Atlanta. And, um, that meant the world to me. It still does. When he died, I wrote to Fred Hickman to tell him that story. Um, and you just get lucky. I mean, I got lucky. I met so many great people, so many people who who just taught me, you know, sometimes they were teaching me and I didn't even know it until years later. And another thing that George Roy taught me so many years ago, was listen, always listen, always learn how to listen. It's the most important skill you'll ever get. Everybody knows how to talk. But listen, listen to what you're the people ahead of you are saying, listen to what everybody's saying because everyone on our shows has good ideas. And I always try to encourage that. It doesn't always work out, but I always try to encourage everybody to ask questions and, 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 and we'll try to implement things. And if you have an idea for a segment and if you, you know, if something's happening, let's try and, and work it into the show if we can. So, you know, uh, advocate for yourself. Don't take no for an answer. Uh, and listen I guess I guess those are the three things and kind of my my long-winded way of of, of getting to your point.
0: Great stuff there and I'll just uh, quickly respond to a couple of the things you said and then and then I'll give you the final word here. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to work with Nick Charles when he did his uh, comeback fight for um, HBO Boxing After Dark yeah. uh, and and he was you know really really great guy and I think his message that night which he said on the broadcast but probably worth repeating here um, was, was, he said, do what you love, no matter what the circumstances. And then yeah. this was a guy who at the time was uh, battling bladder cancer yeah. um, and eventually passed away. So I think that was, that was the message there. Um, you mentioned some, some really great people in that Mark Payton, of course, in the truck doing his thing. Sure. Um, we we have to thank Scott Boggins and Craig Jeunesse for, for the opportunities that we have. We have to, of course, mention everyone's favorite PA, Parth Mookie, when, when we talk about the crew uh, for, for Fight Camp and Countdown. Um, and then I, as, you were, as you were talking, I was taking notes of the things I had to respond to. So, I, you know, I've, I've supervised, I've produced a few tape-to-tape edits in my day, you know, just, just <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not that foreign. Um, and, and the only thing I would say just to, you know, maybe add on to what you said, maybe answer my own question a little bit here about, uh, people who reach out about how to get into the industry because you mentioned a lot of great advice on on what to do when you have that opportunity uh, with the blank page and 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 how to take advantage of that opportunity and i think uh, I think you you, you nailed that um, if if you 're at a position where you're not in the room yet, or you don't have the blank page yet. I know you mentioned, you feel like it's harder nowadays in a way it's harder nowadays. It's probably also easier in a way. And, and what I mean by that is more opportunities, more platforms um, to put out content, to create your own content, to do your own, your own work. Um, and, and I think that's probably the best, way to get started is to just start creating um and and another way i think it's easier you know we mentioned tape to tape edits Like so back you know back in the day obviously as you know well uh, it would take an edit room full of many you know many people to put together a production and now that's much more accessible uh you can do that on your laptop um now that doesn't take away from from big productions or big production houses or anything like that in terms of all the all the great people doing all, what they do but you can get it to a uh a very good point um, and shoot high quality already just on your iPhone. Um, And I think those tools are advantageous and then being able to get it out to the world uh, with social media, with YouTube, with everything like that and trying to build your own following. And I think that'll give you experience um, and help you get noticed, help you hone your craft. And then eventually uh, hopefully have that opportunity to be in the room with that blank page, like you talked about. And I think um, from that point on some of the stuff that you said, uh, is, is, is definitely, uh, really valuable advice. Um, so Eric Paul, that was great. Uh, I'm going to give you the final word here. Uh, you could talk about Ruiz Ariola. You could talk about the state of boxing. You can talk about whatever you like. The floor is yours.
1: No, I mean, I, I this, is, this is harder than this is harder than creating a show. Um, I'm not going into the state of boxing. but I think it's in a pretty good state. I mean, there's so much, you talk about content. There's so much out there. There's so much out there with, with boxing and MMA and every, you know, you can turn on DAZN, you can turn on Fox, you can turn on ESPN and, and there's just so much out there. And it's really, it's really wonderful. And, you know, through the Fox people, I got connected with uh, Radio Raheem and we've been texting back and forth. We had a conversation um, at the end of fight camp, and we've struck up a friendship. And um, he went back to his first fight this weekend after, you know, year a year, you know, longer than a year. I think 15 months he had been, you know, that guy's a staple ringside. And uh, he went back to the Canelo-Billy Joe Saunders fight, and I said, what was it like? And he said, wow, I missed it. You know, I really missed it. And then he started sending me his... His, his YouTube pages and he was just really excited to be back there. And I think that's the thing. I think now as, as, as the fans start coming back and, um, you know, the UFC just did that show in Jacksonville to the tune of 20,000 fans and we're getting a sense of no, a little bit of normalcy, you know, that COVID's still out there and we still have to be very safe. But, you know, people are getting vaccinated and um, if we're smart about it, uh, we can have these events, and we can have the fans back because there's nothing like there 's nothing like fans in the arena you know uh, you, you don 't realize how much you missed it until you actually see it. Uh, the guys on the uFC show were talking about it after the um, after the fight in Jacksonville you know how how you know it was great that they did these events without the fans and that that they were able to you know create these bubbles, but when the fans were there it really gave it a whole different feel and you felt it in the super bowl and <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but I, I, I think that boxing and sports in general is going in the right direction. And as long as we're safe, you know, COVID is going to be out there. You know, we saw it the other day, Phil Nevin tested positive mm-hmm. for the Yankees, The Yankees coach and, A couple players, Fernando Tatis just tested positive. And, you know, these guys are vaccinated for the most part. I don't know about Tatis, but Nevin was vaccinated and um, it's going to be there. And we just got to stay safe and and hope that there's just more and more sports out there, especially boxing. I mean, again, with the zone and ESPN and Fox and the PBC, you know, Let's just keep doing as many shows as we can in Showtime, and just let, let's let's get these guys out there fighting. They're all chomping at the bit, getting ready for for their next fight, and it's always fun and it's always exciting. And and we're really lucky, Karen. We're really lucky to be able to to be a part of it in, in a small way. So thank you for the forum, and you know, always always love talking to you,
0: Eric Paul. And thank you so much. Thanks for the great work that you do and I'm sure we'll be talking again after the next run on fight camp. Thanks again. And, uh, talk to you soon, my man.
1: Okay. Thanks, Karen. Appreciate it.
0: And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at ATE underscore podcast that's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan at on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Uh please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe, give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's ask the experts pod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia.